just want to think a bit about that last song that we've just had. If we can have that slide up, um, right, Richard, that'd be really helpful. I was just thinking as I was singing it, there isn't really a situation in there that hasn't been covered. God in my breathing, God in my thinking, God in my resting, God in my laughing, God in my, in my healing, God in my hurting. And I think all of us can probably identify with at least one of those tonight. So wherever you're at, whether you're in the middle of hope, dreaming, watching, waiting, laughing, weeping, hurting, healing, or all the other things that are in that song, there is something there. God is in every single one of those. But it comes with a proviso. It comes with it if you choose to invite him in. And it's a really simple message that I really felt God put on my heart this week. And actually, Eden and Malachi pretty much summed it up this morning. They asked me, what are you talking about this morning? And I just gave them the title of, what do you give when you've got nothing left to give? And Edie just looked at me, and Malachi looked at me a bit like, what silly question. And Malachi just went, emotional support. And I was like, good, yeah, we'll go with that one. And then Edie went, love. I was like, yeah, we'll go with that one. So I did tell them that, you're going to come and do it now. You said you'd do it. I said, all right, then, Edie, tonight you can come and preach. And she's like, yeah, great. So you're going to preach? Huh? Uh, get you next time. So, what do you give when you've got nothing left to give? And I was just thinking this week, coming up to the end of term, and people at school are pretty much on their knees. We did have somebody look around school last week for, um, we've got a post at the moment, going available, and this person went, oh, your staff are really interesting. And the head's like, oh, why is that then? You don't look like you have two weeks to go. And she told us all that in the staff room, and all of us just went, oh. Well, we're obviously doing a good job of faking it because we're all on our knees. And I was thinking, what is it when we're sometimes on our knees in our faith and it's, what do I give? And I don't feel like I've got anything to give. It's either that you're wrung out, you're worn out, or you may genuinely feel, I've got nothing to bring. I've got nothing to give the church. But Jesus calls us to give. The Bible says that he wants us to give back to him. And when we're feeling empty, we're feeling nothing, or we're just feeling dried up, the call doesn't go away. It's not like it doesn't have to happen anymore. But do we give up? And the simple answer is no. We need to bring ourselves, whatever that looks like, whether it's faults and failures, whether it's exhaustion, whether it's passions and giftings, whether it's that we've got low self-esteem, we don't think there is anything to be back to Jesus. We still come. And we simply come. And we've almost sung part of my message tonight. We simply come. Because God doesn't sit aloft and out the way. It's not just a, a routine that you go through and then you can tick it off for this week. God gives us so much. First of all, he gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us that guide. He gives us that personal friend. That it's not just about following a tick sheet and, and hopefully you've got it right for this week and then you start the tick sheet for next week. We actually have the Holy Spirit to be that friend to be that personal guide, to be that person that walks with us. We've got the Bible. And in there is command after love, after a bit of advice, after a recount, after anything you need, whatever your situation, you've got something in there. And we've got church. We've got support. We've got friendship. We've got worship. The Holy Spirit meets us in that time of worship and we choose to turn our stereo on or choose to put our iPhones on or, or whatever it is and we just choose to let our heart meet Jesus all of us have got effort if we choose to do it everybody made an effort tonight 
Everybody made a choice of staying at home or going out or coming here. We can all give back to Jesus with effort. And this church is rich with people that put hours and hours of time and effort in. And then we have time. We've got our time. We've got time to give back to Jesus. We can use our time wisely. Pete Hopper did a a talk a little while ago. And out of that talk, um, John actually made an app, a picture rather, that loads of us put as screensavers. And it was put me down and do something better. And a lot of us put it on our phones because we knew our phones were a distraction. It was taking up our time when we could have been doing something better. However you choose to use your time, that's up to you. But that was a challenge we had a few weeks back of how do you use your time and how much of your 24-hour period is given to Jesus. So I was thinking, what do you give when you feel like you've got nothing left to give? God has given us so much. There's a principle that runs through Romans and Galatians, Ephesians, 1 and 2 Corinthians, and we're not going to read all of that. God doesn't demand perfection. God isn't expecting us to measure up to the standard that he set, because we can't. We really can't, and he knows we can't. And if we could have done it, he wouldn't have had to give us Jesus. He wouldn't have had to allow his son to die on the cross if he thought we could have measured up, because he would have then tested us on it. But we can't measure up. We know what we should do. We know what the Lord requires of us, that we should love others, that we should show mercy, that we should speak kindness, we should pray and we read our Bible, we should put others first, that we should witness, that we should tithe. And sometimes we can get a bit religious and we can tick them off a list and go, yeah, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, I'm doing that. Tick me, I'm doing great. And sometimes it can be actually a huge weight and a responsibility We sometimes can get caught in a a bit of a performance mindset. Actually, Jesus just wants us to enjoy our relationship with him because he's going to be there to support and to guide. God's aware of the gap between his perfection and when we are and our sinfulness. He knows that there's a tension that we try to close the gap. We try and shrink where God's standard is and where we are. And sometimes we try and close that gap Some of us will try and close it because it feels uncomfortable by trying to lower God's standards. Or God didn't really mean that in the Bible. That's not, or if we take it into context, if we we look at the meaning behind, no, he doesn't really mean up there. He actually means about here. And I can nearly meet it there. We don't need to close the gap. In Romans 5, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. He gives us peace. He gave us the gateway into our faith. He invited us in. He knows we're not going to reach that bar. So he gives us everything we need to be able to live this life with him. Sometimes we can begin to think that surely, I've been a Christian so long, there's got to be some repayment. Surely, I've got to give something back. But that's a trap. I want us just to take a small moment to have a look at what God says about a relationship with him. The ground rules that he says about relating to him. I've just got a list of things I just want us to ponder on. When we became a Christian, I want to look at the weight of responsibility that God carried in that process versus our effort. So the first one is Ephesians 1.4 or 2 Timothy 1.9. It says, God chose you before the foundation of the world and he called you to be his. So before that day, 
that you went, I want to love Jesus. I want to follow him. I want to make him um, the number one in my life. Before you even got to that point, he'd already designed you. He'd already thought about you. He'd already wanted you. He already wanted to be part of you. He'd already chosen you before the foundation of the world. Massive effort for God. I've done nothing yet. God came to the earth for us. Living in 2017, Jesus has already been and died for us on the cross. He's already done everything to allow us in to know him. John 3.16, God came to earth for us. Romans 5.8, God personally died for your sins. Massive effort. I've still done nothing. God made sure somebody explained the gospel to you. Ephesians 1.13. He chose us, he thought about us, he designed us. He died for us. Somebody's explained the gospel to us. Revelation 3.20 or John 1.12.13. God offered to come into your life. Still, all this effort is on God's side before I've even done anything. It's only at this point I actually start doing anything because I have to make a decision. I have to make a choice that God offered for me to have a relationship with him. And some of us may have actually turned down that offer before and waited another time, but God never gives up. And that point when you say yes, it's the first bit of effort we've put in. God gave you the desire to know him and respond to him, Revelation 3.20. So again, God's still working in me. You turned to him and received him. My first bit of effort, I've made a choice and I've said yes. Then God entered your life, declared you righteous and forgiven and called you his own. 1 John 3, 1. So you became a Christian by just simply responding to God in faith. Simple response. It's the same way he wants you to live the Christian life just simply responding to him in faith. I had such a lovely cuddle with Jacob this morning, Tasha's little boy. And then this afternoon playing with my my little niece, Mackie. They are completely reliant. This morning, Jacob was hungry. There was no way he could get fed other than me choosing to feed him. He was completely reliant on me. Mackie this afternoon, although she told us quite clearly she wanted dinner, she could not make it. My sister had to choose what to make for her, had to choose to make it, had to choose to put it on the table and Mackie had an attempt at feeding herself but it didn't go successfully and my sister helped her. All the effort was done for Mackie, for Jacob this morning and we need to come to God with that simplicity. We need to simply respond to God in faith. The weight of the responsibility still stays with God. It's human nature to think that we owe God something. We've got to pay him back. We don't need to pay him back. He doesn't require a a sheet of things that we do to knock off the cost that he made because we can never repay him. What he did was far, far, far outweighs anything that we can do. But Jesus declared we're forgiven by his grace, by his kindness because of Jesus' death. We received his gift of forgiveness by believing in Jesus by believing that Jesus paid for our sins. We never earned his forgiveness. We just had to trust him. We just had to receive it. We just had to believe it. Titus 3, 
and a condensed part of it from three to seven says, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us. Not because of deeds done by us in righteousness, but in virtue of his own mercy. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Our society rewards effort. I know Malachi's waiting for his SATS results. He's worked really hard. And when you work hard, you get something back. Schoolwork, you get rewarded with grades. In, uh, in businesses and in jobs, you get rewarded with either pay rises or pay cuts if you haven't done so well. But you get rewarded for your effort. Society pays you back for your effort sometimes. And I think it's easy for us Christians to think that God rewards effort because that's how society is set up. Be responsible, work hard, give it your best effort, you'll get a reward for it. A Christian can look at the Bible and the commands and think, if I try hard enough, I can do this. But all that happens is, is frustration. We try harder, we still sin. We try harder, we still sin. We try harder, we still sin. And it's this cycle that goes around and nothing seems to get any better. But the frustration can get worse. God doesn't set us up in a relationship with him as effort and reward. He has set it up instead that he wants us to trust him so that our life can bring pleasure to him and please him. And it goes sin. In 1 John 1, 9, we confess. Then we rely back on him again. And yeah, we sin again. But then we confess and we rely on him. And the more we rely on him, the more we get to know him, the more he becomes that living part of us, then the sin decreases as we draw closer to him. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and he cleanses us with all unrighteousness. We need to let God in. He's done all those prerequisites until that moment we said yes, to that moment we said we wanted to get to know him. But then the journey begins. That's when we get to know to love him. It's how we get to understand him a bit better. That's when we get to receive that peace, that hope, that joy, and all those situations that we sang on this evening. In our hurting, he's there. In our weeping, he's there. In our healing, we rejoice with him there. In our laughing, he laughs with us. In those moments of utter joy, he's with us. We need to let God in because he wants to do some changing. We need to pursue him. We need to get to know him better. We need to be doing those things that I said at the beginning about reading the word. Because our faith is not to rest in, in effort, but it's about God's ability to work in our lives. Are we letting God in so that he can work in us? We don't have to strive to do it because that's when we mess up. Jesus said it's like grapes on a vine. He's the main vine and we're like the branches. Remain or abide in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then he went on to say, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. So God's done all the hard work. We've chosen to follow. We've chosen to believe. Then he wants to start working in us. And we can't do that if we separate ourselves from him. We know we can't strive to get there because we'll never hit the mark. But it's about receiving him and letting him work through us. 
And as I was thinking through this, one Bible verse massively came to mind, and it's Micah 6, 8. And I had a song in my head from years ago, which I won't um, hurt your ears with. But it went about talking about act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. And God doesn't test us to fail us, but he actually tests us so he can be revealed to us. To act justly. I don't think we can all do it because it's that measuring stick again that's up so high. But do we stand up for the oppressed? Do we stand up for the innocent? I was talking to some kids at school who, there was a situation, somebody had been calling other children names and there's another couple of children standing by and I was like, have you done that? Nope, no, I didn't do it. Okay, did, did you hear it? Yeah. What did you do about it? Nothing. Do we stand up for the oppressed? Do we stand up for the innocent? We may not join in with anything against them, but do we stand up for them? We've got the food bank um, hopefully starting in September. We need people that will be able to run that food bank. We need people that will be able to come and volunteer so that we can stand up for those that haven't got enough, that we can put something in place and support. Do we stand up for the lowly? Matthew 5 talks about um, the Beatitudes. Blessed are those. Poor in spirit, blessed are those. Do we look after those that haven't got what they need? To act justly, to love mercy. The dictionary definition says to show compassion or forgiveness, shown towards someone to whom it's within one's power to punish or harm. Do we show mercy? Do we love mercy so much that we automatically show it on others? And we walk humbly with our God. There's two things that God really brought to mind when I looked at that verse. Are we walking, number one, with God? Or do we just walk with God on a Sunday? And then we leave here on a Sunday night, life just happens. And Monday to Saturday just somehow comes and goes and we haven't picked up our Bible and we haven't worshipped and we haven't prayed and we haven't even thought of God. And then Sunday kicks in again and it's all great. So are we walking every single day with God? Are we listening to that still, small voice? That amazing voice that is part of, the, part of God who flung stars into space, who designed your innermost being, who wants to walk with you. Do you choose to walk with him every day? And if you do walk with him every day, do you do it humbly? Do you listen to God? Sometimes God gives us real challenges that we don't actually want to hear. We don't actually want to listen to. We don't actually want to put into practice. Are we walking humbly? Are we listening to the challenge? Are we receiving that incredible love that he has that brings healing, that brings comfort, that brings joy, that brings hope? Are we walking humbly with our Heavenly Father, with our best friend? Because when we're walking humbly with him, when we're receiving that love, we can't help it. It just flows out. That we're in a situation and we show justice. We show mercy. We build somebody else up. What does the Lord require of you when you feel like you've got nothing else to give? When there's nothing left in you? Act justly. Love mercy. And to walk humbly. He calls us to give, even when we're wrung out or empty. 
we think we've got nothing inside of us. He gives us everything. We've got the Bible, we've got the Holy Spirit, we've got Jesus, we've got one another. We can worship and we have time. God has done all the hard work before we've even begun. Are we ready to receive that? To walk with him and do what he commands? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are here with us right now. You know where each one of us is on your journey. You know what the journey looks like ahead of each of us. And Father, you call each one of us to act justly to those around us, to love mercy, to walk humbly with you. Lord God, I thank you that you, the creator of the universe, chooses to walk with each of us. You choose to want to spend time with us. Father, I pray you'd help each of us to choose to spend time with you. Father, we can't help but fall more in love with you as we spend time with you. I thank you for your mercy, Jesus. And I pray tonight, Lord God, if there's any areas in our lives that we need to give back to you so that we can continue that walk. Father, would you show us? Would you lead us tonight, Lord God, to that place where we can just let our hearts meet yours, that we can simply come, Lord God. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. We just simply come. Amen.